0: Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. we we'll start with that. It says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who had called us to glory and virtue. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called
1: according to his purpose. Philippians chapter 1 verse 13. Philippians chapter 1 verse 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3
0: verse 20 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amazing promises, isn't it? The reality of it is, if
1: these scriptures are truly true, if they are present in the reality, all of us will not have any prayer points. Are you with me? not seeing these scriptures manifest in our lives, does that make God a liar? And as Christians, it's easy for us to say, oh, no, because we expand our
0: faith in that wise, that, hey, if God has said it, it has to be true. And the reality is that if God says it, it has to be true, because 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 makes us to realize that in Christ, all his promises is yes and amen. So, all the promise of God settled. Scripture says, that Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Everything that God has spoken of is forever settled. Jesus Christ speaking, He said, The least of this word will not fall to the ground. He says, rather than that, heaven and earth will pass away. So, when you actually look at it, the word of God is settled. But oftentimes, as Christians, we don't, we don't attain to the extent of the promises that Christ has for us or to the promises that we have in Christ. Look at it. All the promises of God in Christ are yea and amen. So as long as you are in Christ, all the promise of God is meant to come to pass in our life. Are you with me? Now, if it's not, in, if it's not coming to pass, it is not because God is a liar. It might not be because we are not in Christ. Maybe something is just missing. And this morning, Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, but they are in every places, Right? This morning, quickly, I want to talk to us about how to convert biblical promises. How to convert biblical promises into the reality of your life. So it's not into reality, it's a personal message, how you can convert these things into
1: your life. Because if God has spoken about it, it is true. It is true. If I tell you that, oh, don't worry,
0: take my card, go to ASDA and spend 10 pounds. It is true, that means I can afford 10 pounds, right? If I tell you to go and spend 1 million, you look at me, and be sure. But this is God. If he says it, he will rather uphold it. He says he upholds his words above his name. So his words, he does not play with it. A, he, 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 our God is a God of integrity. He's the only God that says everything the way it is going to be, and it has to be like that. So how can we convert all these things that we see, we read them in scriptures. How can we convert them into reality in your life? Or oh, in my life, the first thing I want us to realize is that there are two ways to access these promises of God. Every promise of God, there are two ways to access it, right? Or oh, there are several ways, but you can divide them into two different ways. Number one is the direct access that you, as an individual in Christ, you can actually obtain yourself. There are so many things that you, as a person in Christ, you can obtain, obtain them yourself, so, for example, we know the story of the woman with the issue of blood. In Luke chapter 8, verse 43 to 48, right? She decided in her heart that, hey, if I can just touch the elm with his garments, by faith you can accomplish so many things. So many of those promises, as long as you can put your faith to it, you can accomplish it. Jesus Christ speaking to us in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, that even if you have faith as small as his mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, that be thou removed and be cast into the ocean. As
1: little as the mustard seed. He's not even asking to have gigantic faith. In, 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 in Mark chapter
0: 10, 46 to 52, you will see the story of Blind Bartimaeus. Heard Jesus passing one day. And he cried unto Jesus in prayers. He got the attention of Jesus. And Jesus ministered these promises unto him. So through prayers, you can actually accomplish. You can access these promises of God. Someone that is not praying is someone who is
1: only wishing. And the, the Englishman says, if wishes were horses, the beggars would ride." If
0: you are not a praying person, if you are not a praying Christian, you are just a wishing Christian. All you are doing is wishing, wishing, or complaining at best.
1: If you want to know how to pray, come for your prayer meeting on Tuesday. They will teach you how to pray. You can also access these blessings of God, this promise of God,
0: by your service. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, 23 to 24. Colossians chapter 3, 23 to 24. It says, whatsoever thing you do, do it earthly. as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that the Lord you, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. So the things that has been promised when you are serving God. And that's why I tell when people are serving God. I don't know how to tie it to God. See, that's why I tell you to give up and we get tired. Because when people are serving God and God is looking after their lots. How about you? You should serve God. The Bible says that the worker is worthy of his wage. Listen, my God, the one that I serve, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ
1: does not owe salary. If you work for him, he's paying you. You just need to have that understanding that, hey, as long as you're serving
0: God, God is doing something for you. You might not have seen it, but you are loading your cloud in heaven
1: for a day of withdrawal. For the day of the How else can you enter into the promise of God?
0: Luke chapter, 11, uh, Luke chapter 11, yeah, Luke chapter 11 talks about the story of Peter. Peter just had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ told him something that was contrary to every logic, every education that Peter has received all his life. Right? They got to the shallow end of the river. And Peter said, uh, Jesus said, launch into the deep. Contrary to what fishermen will do, but obedience to the instructions of God, obedience to the things that God tells you to do, can make you have access to the benefits and the promise of God. Do I get an amen? amen. But this area, a scripture for that, if you want to know, is Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. It says, if you are willing and obedient. A lot of Christians nowadays, we are willing. There's that willingness. But the obedience, we're not ready to make it happen. Bible says, if you are willing and you are obedient, you will eat the good of the land. There's a good in Christianity. There's a good in the word of God. Partaking of it requires obedience. Tell your neighbor, obedience. Mm-hmm. All these are direct access. All these are direct ways that you can make up your mind to obtain some of the promise of God. Not my focus this morning. All this I expect us to know. Even though at times you don't practice them, but I know that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. What you have heard today, for example, you will try to put it to use again.
1: But this morning, there are things that your faith cannot help you obtain them. There are things that your prayer cannot help you to obtain them.
0: There are things that your obedience alone cannot help you to obtain it. There are things that are in the Bible that are scriptural, and you yourself, you can actually testify to that, but oh, pastor, I've trusted God for this thing, even though God said it, but it's not happening. Some of us have now accepted that that's where way life should be, especially when you have suffered with your health for some time. After a while, you just realize, maybe that's not for me to get, you know? Let me just, or the easiest thing that we tell ourselves, guess what? Maybe that's the way God wants it. Or maybe it's the will of God.
1: Maybe it's not the will of God. So there are things that on your own, you do not have direct access to it. Things like, when someone is oppressed by demons,
0: at times they cannot help themselves. Peter was thrown into prison, right? Peter on his own, regardless of his prayers, might not be able to,
1: because hey, you know, at times when you're in a situation, you will kneel down to pray, prayer is not coming out of your mouth. It is in such times that we are talking about this morning, how to convert those things into reality that you yourself, you cannot obtain by yourself. you prayer prayed, it's not moving. And there are two things that scripture has told us as ways of accessing
0: the, or ways of converting the promise of God into reality that often time we don't pay attention to. In fact, in this day and age, the devil fights them tooth and nail. Hence, why we have Christians
1: that cannot really witness of the grace of God. The first one is partnership. Are you with me? Partnership. There are so many things that you cannot do that you need somebody else to pray or to agree
0: with you in prayers. Partnership. This is when like-minded Christians come together in agreement concerning a matter. Bible says whatever two of you will agree on or not will be established in heaven. It's a means of accessing such or converting
1: such. Meanwhile, when we come to church like this, guess what happened? Oh, you don't want the next person to know what you are going through or what you want. You need to hold on with someone. i be praying. There's provision for that in the church. Partnership. This is what happens when the
0: other day we said, oh, you should have prayer partners. You remember? I can bet you have not even called your prayer partners since that time. And if you've called, you start seeing the results in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This is what happens when we decide to have accountability partners. People that will be able to call you and say, where are you? What are you doing now? And your came to say, oh, there are some people that God brought into his life. Yes, because
1: it's, it, without them, you might not get to where you're meant to get to. This is why marriage is very, very important. You are your husband kneeling down and agreeing on a matter. You will get results. You will get results because partnership is very, very important. That's why God is still married right from the beginning. Every time we're having church events, and we say, oh, um, oh, we're having a church
0: event, ye ask, what do you think we're doing? It's not play. It's because we are coming together to agree that concerning these promises, let them, be, let them happen. So when we're doing events, it's not because we just want to do events, it's because we want to agree. We want that agreement, corporate fasting, corporate everything. We are fasting currently, and I was speaking to somebody, I don't even know how many, of, how many people are even fasting in this church. Because we are meant to agree together, it's
1: when we agree together there's power behind it. We can achieve much more. So the first one is partnership. Look around yourself, look around church today, and make up your mind and say, God,
0: why don't lay someone in my heart this day, or oh, why don't lay me in somebody's heart that when I approach this person, this person will have my heart. That a we can be praying together. You can do things together. You can take the world.
1: You don't need to be business partners. You don't need to be business partners. Even in the world, people understand the power of networking. That's not my focus this morning. The second one, which is the
0: most attacked in the church or in this day generation, is the authority in the church. The authority in the church is. A means of accessing those things that at times you might not be able to achieve or access yourself. The authority in the church is a big part of, part of it. Matthew chapter 10. I want someone with a beautiful voice to read 1 to 15 for me quickly. Matthew chapter 10 from 1 to 15. Let us look at Jesus talking about this factor. This is where I'm going. Authority in the church. Matthew chapter 10, 1 to 15. Anybody can read if you're there loud and clear. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. See, that scripture is very simple. Jesus Christ called his disciples and gave them authority to go and do some things. Are you with me? He said, as they go, when you get to a city or when you get to a house or a people, find out if there's somebody worthy in that place. Right? So that means even though Jesus has given them all the authority the other side of them being able to receive it is determined by whether that person is worthy of it or not. Are you with me? Jesus, Bible says, Jesus, concerning Jesus, I was asking someone that, who is Jesus? Jesus is the anointed one. Every anointing that anybody can ever carry was in Jesus, right? Yet, he got to his own country or his own, own state. He could not perform one miracle because there was no one that was worthy in that place, right? Listen, in every church... God sets authorities in place such that they can fulfill the mandate of Christ in that church. Are you with me? They can heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, do all these things that you yourself cannot do by yourself. A dead person cannot raise themselves. Are you with me? God sets all these people in church for the purpose of you accessing the benefit of Christ. The benefits are in Christ. Yet, it says that for there there to be a recipient, that recipient must be worthy. So, when we have leaders in church, for example, it is not because it, okay, the leaders might not be anointed, but they can also be anointed. It's not only down to the anointing, it's also down to you being worthy of receiving it. Because when I read this scripture, it challenged me a lot. I wanted to know, what does it mean to be worthy? Who wants to know what it means to be worthy? Because the truth is that, hey, you can come and say, "Oh, pastor, pray for me." I can pray for you if you are not worthy. You don't get it. You don't get it. It's not because the anointing is not there. Also, you to check yourself. I've seen people complain about their church. In this church, there are nothing that's happening. Things are not happening. Mm Oh, I was sharing with someone. And we're talking about the festival of life when Gio said, oh, it appears that you guys in London, you don't value it that much because we are no more worthy. You let us look at what the scripture says. Let us see who is worthy. Go to verse 40 to 42. 40 to 42. Within that same scripture, Jesus said everything that we need to know. Jesus Christ says, the way you receive Omar is the same way that you receive him. If you receive Omar as brother Omar, you get brother Omar's reward. If you receive Omar as a minister in your church, as a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. So if you receive people in authority the way they are meant to be received, you get the reward that comes with that rule. That's what it means to be worthy. I did not write that scripture. That is why, at times, it appears that Christianity is not a powerful religion anymore. Because, not because God has not poured the spirit upon all flesh, but actually, the people that are meant to be receiving it, we are very, very... Let me not use the word I want to use. Unless it's time to... If you receive your ministers as ordinary... How do you receive your ministers? How do you receive your pastors? You know, because we're a church that we tend to like be, we want to be relatable. Want everybody to be lazy, you know. Let's not overdo this thing. Let's not appear holier than thou, which is great on the side of the ministers. But church, I'm begging you, let's start seeing the move of God amongst us. Let us receive these ones as You're receiving Christ. That's what makes you worthy of their blessings. See, in all honesty, there are people that I can call out in this church. There are my own anointing thermometer. Every time I pray for them, it happens. Every time I pray for them, it happens. Do you know why? Because they are worthy. Remember, there are people that I pray for, the opposite always happens. So when they come for prayer, I look for a way of judging. (laughs) No, because it's the truth. Or should I lie to you? <laughs> that's the reality of it. At times, it's dependent on the person that's receiving it. How are you welcoming your ministers? How are you welcoming your leaders? Are you seeing the Kofu Kofo as my friend Kofo every time? Listen, there's a place for that. Right? There are times that like Kofo comes come to my house as a daughter. We talk as a daughter. But when it comes to the other side of it's a pastor relationship. If she doesn't receive me as such, she doesn't get the blessing of it. And guess what? As a daughter, I will still be comforting her. It doesn't mean that naturally she will get it. It depends on the way you are receiving that person's grace. I ask questions a lot when I'm studying my Bible. So, I still wanted to know, how do you receive somebody as God? Then God now told me or took me to one person in the scripture that did very well, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 18. Abraham saw two people walking down, two people walking down. The way he received them, decided what Abraham was gonna get. He saw these two gentlemen walking down and he quickly ran to them, Welcome them with all expectation, with all worshipfulness or reverence. You know, engage uh, with them, sat them down, went, call. Oh, guys, can I just give you guys water to drink? You know, there are houses that you get to the way they welcome you in that house. You play your life out, or oh, you don't know that. When Jacob, is it Jacob? No, no, the father of Jacob, Isaac. Isaac. When Isaac was going to bless his children. He told them go and prepare. When they brought it, and he has it eating, and he's mm, all the prayer that he has, he prayed it. When the other one came, he said, Ah, the prayer has finished. How can prayer finish? So you understand what I'm talking. See, we're laughing over it, but it's not a laughing matter. There are things that you are meant to obtain, there are instructions that are meant to be given to you. That guess what it's meant to open the door and to break loose of the next for you. But the person that's meant to help you is the one that you're just talking to anyhow. Or you're despising that, mm, I can't even talk to this one. I'm not even sure that he's born again. Whether you like it or not, Judas Iscariot was part of the people that Jesus Christ sent out to go and preach. And when they came back, they said, they saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Judas Iscariot. That you are condemned. That, oh, I'm not sure that, uh, that minister is good enough for me. I've had the same problem before. There was this, our minister, that they divided us that we should go with him and start a church back in the days. And because of some things that he has done, I wasn't pleased with it. So I went to Pastor, my pastor that came the last time, Pastor Ackman. And I'm like, oh, I'm not happy that I'm going with that person. For example, I cannot agree that he should lay hands on me. He looked at me and said, do you not know that when it is time for that man to lay hands on you is a representative of God? Meanwhile, I, I let me tell you the truth. That was the best time I've had when it comes to ministry. That man that I didn't want to go with was what one that developed me in ministry. Are, are you with me? I almost despise him. Thank God for good pastors. You receive your ministers as if you are receiving God. That is the bit that today's church do not like anymore. There's a time that we play. Is that okay? Listen, I'm your friend. I hope you know that. Do you agree to that? I'm your friend. Honestly, I'm the best friend that you can have. I'm loyal, right? And we can be friends. We can play games. What's that? What I'll play. Articulate, we can do it. Charade, we can play it. Everything we can do it together. We can laugh, and we are good at that in this church. There is a time that I can switch from that and become a father to some, right? And I always say that every father knows their children, and every children knows their father. Do <laughs> you get it? So somebody might call themselves father, but I'm not your. You know, there's a relationship, a two-way relationship, right? There's a time I can switch to that. That's also fine, but there's a time as well. For you to understand that there's a pastoral side to it, it's meant to open doors to you. Likewise, with all your ministers, you need to know where the limit is. Because when you become too over familiar and over friendly with the anointing, you take it for granted. You abuse that role the same way that Judas abused his relationship with Christ. So this morning, church, we want to introduce to us our ministers for the coming year. Or for this year, from now, from today, till this same time next year. We want to introduce them to us this year. And understand that you need to receive these ones as God. Now listen to me, church. It's not just a one way thing, because expectation has to be met. In Titus chapter one, Titus chapter 1, verse 5 to 9, you have a place and a part to play in ensuring that your minister remains a minister. Titus chapter 1 from verse 5 to 9. I'll read. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every time, in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless. Faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild or disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's house, he must be blameless. Look at the meaning of the word blameless. The qualities of a leader and a minister to be seen as blameless. In that way, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not giving to drunkenness, not violent. Not pursuing dishonest gain, it must be hospitable. One who loves what is good, one who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Listen, church, everybody I've been introducing to you today, you can hold them accountable to this thing. Accountable not from the position of condemnation, right? Because we know that all of us are still in the flesh. But when you see your minister moving away, from all these qualities or try to exhibit it, call them to one corner and let them realize that, ah, but you're a minister, I should not be seeing you in this party. <laughs> it's true, what are you, but let's even say, what are you doing there? But let's even leave that aside. <laughs> or, I'm a minister, ah, you should not be behaving like this. These kind of things will make you to have blame if people hear it. Are you with me in church? You have the responsibility of ensuring that your ministers remain as it is. So I'm calling these people out. That you, 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 you hold them accountable to these same things. Verse 9 says, The person must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been thought. Not somebody who keeps changing the word of God to suit himself. Or to suit the agenda. See, if your minister gives you an advice, we listen. Let me clarify this. If you come to me as a friend, I can gist with you. Ah, is that what happened? <laughs> come on, that is a that is a friendly interaction. If you come to me as a father, I can ah, you know, father will always understand. I can come to you. But if you, if you come to me as a minister, listen to me, church. Every advice that I give to you, you must be able to back it up with scriptures. If your minister gives you an advice that cannot be backed up with scripture, that minister might be lying to you. Are you with me? That your minister might be trying to control you because you cannot do anything against the truth but for the truth. Bible says, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, how can we prepare for war? If the bugle makes a sound that's not distinct, how can we get ready for battle? So, whatever your minister is telling you must be certain. This is the position of God. Whether you obey it is your problem. Your minister must be truthful with you. And you've been in church. So, all these people I'm going to call out today understand that they your ministers. You're holding them accountable. To be, sure, to be sure that they are upholding that office of ministry, right? But at the same time, you are receiving them as if you are receiving God. Is that not a balanced place? Because through them, there are so many doors they can open. All they just need to do is make a declaration over your life. And the story is different. So together at church, we're going to pray for them. But before then, I want you to pray for yourself. That Father... All these people that is going to be called out today, if any one of them is going to be a source of your blessing, Lord, give me the grace to take everything from them that I need to take. That this year, everything that I need to get from these people, let nothing hold it back from me.
1: Go ahead and talk to God. Go ahead and talk to God. Go ahead and talk to God. Go ahead and talk to God.